This is the Orange Podcast, conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and after what seems like an eternity, you've tuned in to the Orange Podcast. This week, we'll find out what happens for a local sports project when a new government cans one infrastructure fund and starts another. And why it makes sense to make ephemeral art, art that's here one week and gone the next. The ephemerality of it becomes part of its meaning in a way. It's like you you manage to catch it while it's on. It becomes a special thing that you see and then, you know, you see it today, it's gone tomorrow kind of thing. So for me, that's part of the meaning of it. You're you're part of an event or a happening. And so uh, it it has that quality, which I think adds to the meaning of it or the sense of specialness uh, of seeing it for a limited time. It's a bit like seeing a concert or something. More from the director of the Orange Regional Gallery, Brad Hammond, later in the show. But first up today, we catch up with Orange Mayor Jason Hamling to find out how Orange will get the best in contemporary design when it comes to the shape of a new sports stadium. You're listening to the Orange Podcast. Time to catch up with Orange Mayor Jason Hamling. Jason, uh, the federal budget this week changed some uh, the, the way the new government is going to be allocating money to infrastructure. Got rid of one fund and big talking about getting another one. What's that mean for the sports precinct? Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, like every project in Australia, you know, our um, sporting precinct has gone over, which, no surprise, building costs, labour costs, all that sort of thing. Um, we did have a $10 million grant fund in with the old BBRF. Um, that's the one they've got rid of? That's the one they've got rid of. Um, we will be uh, seeking some clarification on what new programs are available for grant funding. We're also in consultation with the state. They know all about it. So, um, you know... We, we've already we, we've got the twenty five million dollars sitting there, so we've uh, you know we started with the um, with the initial works. We've got the uh, we've got the earthworks ready to go. Obviously, too wet. <laughs> it, they, it, it is a bit damp out there. It's very damp. I've driven past it a few times. There's a lot of water lying around, yeah. but people if they go past, they can see there's a lot of concrete pipes lined up. Um, there's a site shed, so we are ready to go when we're able to get on. And last week at council, we uh, um, let the tender for architects for the both grandstands. So that should be able to give us a bit of a final costing somewhere down the down the road. Bruce Torster come with a, a wealth of experience. They've done things like the the, the dentistry school Abbott CSU and the and the Conservatorium of Music. They've also had some sports ground experience. That's that's great experience to be drawing on. Oh, definitely. They they know they know how to do these sort of works for us. And you know that was one of the reasons. Um, you know why they got the job because they've got that experience so um, yeah we'll just uh, get that underway and um, get some sort of figure that we can go to these government agencies state or federal and give them a final figure hopefully. The the more detailed the design is the better more detailed and more accurate a costing is going to be. Correct and that's what governments are after you know they they want um, they want they don't want you can't go back twice put it that way if you go with a if you go with a figure um, that's the figure. You can't say, well, we're 10 million over. Oh, sorry, we're 5 million short. So sure. it's, it's best to get that exact figure that we can go with and lock it in. I guess it's to be expected that a new federal government wants to put their own stamp on things. If they get rid of one fund, they're not going to stop doing infrastructure in regional Australia. They just need to put their own stamp on it, come up with their own criteria. There's been a few, you know, they've had criticisms and they were erected on the basis of the previous government doing some interesting things in terms of uh, grants. If they come up with a better screen, that's, that's good for Orange. Well, well as I said, 
said, we just go down there and knock on doors and talk to ministers. And um, I, I met with the new duty senator uh, for Kalea last week, and she was quite keen to have us down there, and she'll organise who we need to talk to. Back to the uh, appointment of a, an architect. Um, when the early plans were done a couple of years back, we talked to local sporting groups. As part of uh, their work, the new architects will go back to them again and see if anything's changed. That's right. And as I said, we get one crack at this and we and we want to do it right. So um, consultation is uh, is majorly important with the people who are going to use it. Yeah, sure. Athletics tracks are a specialist thing. They're very different from a football field. Correct. And, you know, th- we're, this precinct is not orange. This is regional precinct, especially yeah. athletic component. Um, you've either got to go to Dubbo or Penrith to do that sort of athletics training or be on that sort of track. Um, so we'll, we'll have people from... Forbes Parks coming to Orange, young athletes who want to, you know, who are very serious about their athletics that can train on world class facilities. It's going to be interesting to see what what the architects come up with in terms of a stadium. If you look back in the uh, the major regional stadiums that have been built, you know, Carrington Park looked has a particular feel about it. Mm. Um, Glen Willow at Mudgee has a different feel. I wonder what we're going to get. Well, I'm, it's I'm going to be contemporary, whatever it is. It's well, going to be the, late, the, the latest thing. That's the beauty of us going last, really, because yeah. we are one of probably the last major regional centres with our population not to have a dedicated rectangular field. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Wade Park has got a lot of history and we, um, we were very lucky to get a number of sporting rectangular field grounds. We had the A-League soccer come out twice. We've had City Country. We've had... Uh, New South Wales played Fiji in Rugby Union. We're very lucky to have those. But times have changed and um, those major codes won't come out and play on Wade Park or any other cricket ground because they don't want to risk their million-dollar stars. So, um, And it's not only about those events. It's about junior competitions. Having that sporting precinct, we will be able to attract national state championships. They All these, all these, all these uh, codes, they want one place where they can play all their games. Yeah. We'll, be able to, we'll be able to provide that. Wade Park's going to continue to be used. It's a brilliant venue, you know, a couple of blocks away from the CBD, you know, so a pub across the road. That's going to get plenty of use for many years to come. But you, you simply haven't got space on that ground to, to build a, a, a contemporary stadium. Exactly right, and um, you know it's a cricket ground. Yeah, we've got a. We've got a our, it could be an AFL ground in the future. A, a cricket, so. AFL, just that round, the yeah. round, the the actual the circumference of the ground. It's not rectangular. It has it's done us well in the past, and and the other the other issue that has brought up with Wade Park competitions are going longer, so to prepare cricket you need to mow grass and grow the pitch. So, you know, our curator, Bruce Cousins, has done a fantastic job. He does a great job down there, and anything he does, he's, he's magic. And, um, um, you know, there's been a couple of times where we've had a trial where we couldn't play cricket early and we had to talk to cricket. That, that won't happen anymore. Yep. Lord's Place, we're getting the council's getting on with the job there. Please, the council's also giving a high priority to keeping local businesses in touch with what's going on. Very important. It all comes back to that word of communita- communication and consultation. And, um, you know, council's uh, talking to the business uh, daily, um, keeping them in the loop. Um, a new shop about to open that'll be a, you know, a pop-in shop as well as a sort of side office, if you like. Yeah, and I encourage residents who, um, who want to know what's going on in Lord's Place, who um, maybe had some concerns. Um, go down and visit the shop, talk to the staff. Um, the end product's going to be amazing. Yeah. We're about to move into NADOC week. In other parts of Australia, we do that in the hot part of the year, but in July rather, but here it's in November. Uh, you're looking forward to a march next Monday? Yeah, Monday, um, the, the annual NADOC mar- week march, and you touched on it. Orange has a later, on, later NADOC week because of our cool climate. Um, so uh, NADOC week is in early November. 
Um, hopefully the weather is um, okay. There's numerous events. There's the, the, the march, and then there's also the big gala dinner on um, on the Saturday night. But in between that, you know, you've got an elders' lunch. You've got um, a school of Stedford. There's a there's a golf day. There's an art exhibition opening up with some photographs. Um, that's that's happening uh, on Friday. So, you know, there's plenty happening for NADOC week. It's going to be a busy week, and, um, yeah, it, sh- it should be a great week. I was looking at the program for the awards night. It's fantastic to see such a, a broad range of categories to, to affirm and encourage people who are doing the hard work of bringing a community along. That's exactly right, and that's what it's about. It's about coming together and um, bringing the community along. So you've got to remember, we haven't had this for two years because yeah, of COVID, of course. so it's, it's the first one back after two years. Jason Hamling, thanks for your time today. Thank you. If you've wandered through Orange's Robertson Park one night recently, you may well have been surprised by the sight of a large mouth projected onto a tree. The work is part of Orange City Council's Future City Public Art Program. It's an installation called What Did You Say? by artist Kelly O'Dempsey. We caught up with Kelly to find out some more. Basically, I'm a drawing artist that's interested in sound and uh, animation. So I've started working in, uh, well, I haven't started, but I've been working in uh, light drawings, and that led me to working, uh, creating actual um, larger installations that can sort of be, be experienced outside the gallery. Outside a gallery, what does that mean for you? Uh, earlier in some remarks, you talked about surprising people when they come into a public space and they're not expect, they're not going to a gallery to see art. They're just in a park, and then there's something surprising in front of them. Is that fun for you? Oh, I think it's exciting. I think that galleries sometimes, uh, you know, they're amazing spaces, and we need them. But not everybody is uh, accustomed to visiting galleries to see artwork. So having them in public spaces where people can sometimes accidentally experience, uh, you know, a contemporary art installation. Um, makes it much more accessible to the public and I think also creates a much more inclusive environment or culture in, um, in community. On the, on the spectrum of um, having fun, of, of getting, provoking serious thought at one end, the people laughing at your work yeah. at the other end, where would you place this one? Well, I'd place it so hopefully somewhere in the, between the two where there's some serious you know, considerations about the, us understanding and listening to the environment and that idea is this works called what did you say so if someone says that to you you lean in to hear something um, uh, and that idea that is if we lean in to listen to uh, the environment and the concerns that we have at the moment with the, you know the climate crisis but to sort of package it in a sort of a, a neon pop culture and playful unexpected and almost absurd imagery um, I think it uh, you know it's like comedy it's the it's the familiar and the strange that makes you uh, um, actually listen and there's always sometimes a, a really interesting backstory the thing you'll listen to and, and and look at when you walk past this tree I understand you're playing with the idea of the the tiny cells within a, a plant that's that's a breathing that are open to the air and some images of mouths talk to me some more about that um, yes yeah, so there's kind of look a lot of the imagery I think could be related to my interest in Rocky Horror Picture Show and the opening sequence of the uh, um, of the singing mouth in black space, and now that sort of reinterpreting that through science, which is totally absurd, um, uh, to actually sort of think about um, the, the 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 trees are the lungs of the planet, and when this work has been evolved over the last couple of years, we've had 
um, you know, we've had major fires and pollutions and things like that. But to re-understand it and actually re-look at trees as uh, through our own body, because it's uh, associated with the, the female mouth, uh, actually hopefully kind of makes us think about our situation, potentially, or not. Hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's an artwork that's accessible to all ages I'm guessing yeah it's fun because uh, I've had I have exhibited in other spaces in the Botanic Gardens in Brisbane and children either are screaming or laughing so you know that uh, to me that's a win what are you hoping so if someone's listening tonight and they want to find out want to come down what, what, what's the best time to come and how long should they hang around to, to experience it? well uh, you don't need to stay very long it's really just a visit but it's on for it's on from 7 30 to midnight and um uh, if all things go to plan, you can actually possibly come down with a raincoat on. But uh, it, it's, it has a sound, it has video, and it has light, so it's kind of quite—it's a bit sensory and it's spatial, so it's a fun time. Artist Kelly O'Dempsey, but for Orange Regional Gallery Director Brad Hammond, this work breaks some new ground for Orange. This is our first ephemeral art installation, so it's working with light and video projection and sound in the park. And so across all of our Future City Art projects, we've gone for a range from traditional murals through to contemporary installations. And this is our ephemeral art project, which uh, is a kind of living artwork for a short period of time and invites people to think about the public space in a different way, particularly in the park. And so I think it's a great setting for this artwork. If someone's interested in seeing an exhibition, they'll go to a gallery. In a setting like this, they're just walking through the park. They're going to be surprised at night time. Is that part of the intent? I think it's a really important part of public art. You know, the galleries are it's kind of set up in a way. You know, you're going to the gallery to see art and then you might be challenged in that space, but you go there knowing that's what you're going to see. Something really exciting about public art where you happen across it. You don't know that you're going to see it. Suddenly you're seeing something which is out of the ordinary and you're invited to kind of start to make sense of it. Uh, that's what public art does when it does it best. And so it invites you to feel something different, to have an opinion or to feel... Uh, or to see the space differently in some way. This work does all of that, and so we want that. We want people to be driving by and look over and see strange mouths talking on a tree. You know, that's like, when have you ever seen that before? So it becomes a unique experience, and then um, people will have all their opinions about it, which is great. We welcome all of it. Um, But it becomes an unforgettable experience in the public space, and that's what public art can do best. Let's talk about ephemeral. Um, A lot of the other projects that have been part of the Future City Art Public Art Project have been about sculpture and things that are still going to be here in five years' time. This one's going to be a couple of weeks and then it's gone. What, what, why is that significant and important? Well, this project, as you say, is ephemeral, so it'll continue until the 30th of October. And um, I think it's important because, you know, especially with digital art and projection-based work, you can't have that on for a decade or whatever. It's different. It works with a different kind of technology. It's also moving image and light-based. So you're dealing with uh, light and electricity and so on. So the the ephemerality of it becomes part of its meaning in a way. It's like you, you manage to catch it while it's on. It becomes a special thing that you see and then, you know, see it today, it's gone tomorrow kind of thing. So for me, that's part of the meaning of it. You're, you're part of an event or a happening. And so uh, it, it has that quality, which I think adds to the meaning of it or the sense of specialness uh, of seeing it for a limited time. It's a bit like seeing a concert or something. You've know? you got, the, you got the, the music on Spotify or whatever is at home. But to be there uh, for a live performance of some kind, uh, it's a different kind of experience. You're in a space uh, witnessing something happen for a short period of time. So I think that that's just the nature of ephemeral art. And, uh, yeah. Is this sort of work available for all ages? 
Well, that's a, it's always an interesting question about you know um, the opinions that people form about public art and which part of our audience we're getting that feedback from. You know, um, uh, children we see interacting with all of our projects in really exciting ways. Um, unfortunately, they never really get asked their opinion, but uh, they... People do notice them climbing on them. They climb all over them, they run to them, they hug them. Um, I think this art project is they're going to be trying to probably catch the mouths on the ground as they're moving around. It's a whole kind of event. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how children uh, in particular, but also hopefully to bring out the inner child in a lot, of, um, a lot of us who have found the last few years kind of quite serious and a bit depressing, and, you know, a lot of uncertainty. Art's also about play and surprise and creativity, and we want people to feel that when they come across these projects. And What's the best way to experience it? What, what time should people come to Orbison Park for the next couple of weeks? Well, I think um, as, as it gets darker, you know, that's when you're going to get the full luminosity of the projections uh, and you know the, the streets around to be a little quieter so you'll be able to hear the breathing of the tree uh, and so yeah it's definitely a nighttime based work it's not a daytime work um, so yeah I think around 8pm 8, 8 to 9pm would be ideal to, to perhaps bring some of the kids down let them run around get exhausted and then back to bed 8 o'clock is not too late for small kids yeah it'll burn them and the parents out completely yeah so everyone in bed by 10 yeah Brad Hammond, and as he mentioned, if you haven't seen it, you have until Sunday 30 October to check out the work in Robertson Park. And that's the Orange Podcast for this week. Remember, you can download this program anytime from the Orange City Council website or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Orange Podcast is produced on Wiradjuri Country. Until next time, this is Alan Reader. Bye for now. <laughs>